Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's going on? Welcome in to a new BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations. You can also browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And if you use promo code BSN20, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. And with that, welcome into the show. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here on a Monday, right off the Nuggets 116-112 victory in Game 4 in Portland to even the series at two. We were in Portland for these games over the weekend. An unbelievable four overtime loss in game three. We spoke about that on the show over the weekend that we recorded in Portland. Then Denver bounces back, gets the win in game four. A lot to take away from this one. A lot of overall thoughts to touch on about how this series has transpired. I've certainly got a lot of opinions to let out here and a lot of takeaways from these last two games and what I think will happen going forward. Let's Stay on game four, though, quickly. What was your overall takeaway from this one? What do we say to the God of death, Harrison? What do we say? Not today. <laughs> That's been, I guess, that theme has cropped up time and time again this Nuggets season. They were, what, 12-1 and one on the second night of back-to-backs? I thought this theme was whatever it takes. That was the theme of the Nuggets season, I thought. <laughs> well, that's another non-Ennis Cantor way to say this. But this is just such a resilient team. I mean, to, to lose in four overtimes, to have you know, your best player say, play 65 freaking minutes, to have your, your debatably your second best player f- play 55 freaking minutes, and then bounce back two days later, and, and not even really two days later, a little bit less than that, and put together a performance like this, just speaks to, to Denver's heart. It speaks to the resolve, their toughness. I mean, what a performance. It also speaks to how freaking good this team is. And... It's been crazy, and I'll say it again. I've said it many times throughout this season in this playoff run. How Nikola Jokic is playing, how Jamal Murray is playing, how this extremely young playoff team in the playoffs for the first time is playing is not getting enough dialogue throughout the entire NBA, throughout the entire country. The 
playoff run that Nicole Jokic is having, how Jamal Murray, who I think is outplaying Damian Lillard in this series, his first exposure in the playoffs, his first playoff minutes, how well he's been playing, it's not getting talked about enough. And I know the Nuggets are up against Damian Lillard, who was arguably the MVP of the first round, but he has not been nearly as effective in this second round series. And I think Denver's defense has had a lot to do with it. But this team is really freaking good. And I think they're going to win this series. I think they'll probably win it in seven. I think if you ask some guys in that locker room, they'd say they'd win it in six. And I think confidence is at an all-time high right now. Even though they're only tied 2-2, there's still a long way to go in this series. But they're playing at a really high level right now. Yeah, I mean, we know that the history of teams that go down 3-1, to one, there's not a whole lot of coming back from that. I think only 5% of teams in NBA playoff history that go down 3-1 are able to come back and win the series. So this was basically a do-or-die game for, for the Denver Nuggets. You know, they, they had some really tired legs, but I guess so did the Blazers. I mean, I guess where do you want to start with this one? We, we could go Murray Jokic. We could go how Will Barton got his groove back. I'm going to let you pick. Well, I, w- I want to know what you think about what I just said, that I think Jamal Murray is outplaying Damian Lillard in this first-round series. Let me just read off their counting stats. And I know the counting stats don't tell the entire story, but through four games in this second-round series, Damian Lillard is averaging 27.3 points on 43% shooting from the field. He's only shooting 25.7% from three. 4.0 rebounds, 6.3 assists per game. Jamal Murray... He is averaging 26.5 points on 44.7% shooting from the field, 36.4% from three, 5.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists per game. So slightly fewer assists, more rebounds, around the same amount of points and much better shooting percentages from the field and from three. Jamal has been spectacular in this series, and really he's been excellent since game four against San Antonio. You know, we've seen... I mean, we talked a lot about Joker elevating his play in the playoffs. Joel Murray has done that. Joel Murray has been consistent. What we were harping on all regular season for, for him to be to go to the next level, he's done that for, you know, the, the final, what, four games of the San Antonio series and then the first four games of this one. We've gotten consistent Jamal Murray. He's looked like a star to me in the playoffs. I mean, you knew it was going to be a big night from Jamal when – he drives left baseline. He's falling out of bounds, double clutches, shoots it over the freaking backboard, and, mm-hmm. and it's nothing but net on Denver's very first possession of the game. That's a shot that only Jamal Murray can make. There's right. maybe like one or two other guys in the league, maybe like Kyrie and LeBron who, who can make that. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you can make that a, a tougher shot. Maybe blindfold him, and Jamal's probably already practiced that shot blindfolded. <laughs> Yeah, another really impressive part about Jamal's playoff run through these four games specifically, and even going back to uh, at times throughout that Spurs series, and I know he struggled initially against Derek White, but really came on towards the end of that seven-game series. It's been how he's kept his turnovers down. He had one turnover each in those first two games. He had four in game three, but he played 55 minutes in that game in those four OTs. Only had two last night in... 38 minutes. Such a key for him. And I feel like he's making better decisions. Uh, he's just more sure of himself. He looks more like a point guard out there. And I think the low turnovers ha- have certainly helped as well. But he's playing at an elite level right now. I think he's probably been the second best player in this series behind Jokic and ahead of Lillard. I think Jokic and Murray are probably 1-2 right now. Denver has the two best players in this series so far. Uh, He's making tough shots. He's shooting it well from three. He's getting healthier, I think. He's still battling through that 
some shoulder soreness and some thigh quad soreness from running into all those screens over the course of the playoffs, but he's just coming into his own. Uh, I got pushed back a little bit there. I think CJ McCollum has been the second best player in the series. You think McCollum has been better than Lillard? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's been you, better than Lillard. And, and better and, than and Murray. Murray. Yeah, okay. I would go I would go Jokic, McCollum, Murray, and Dame. I disagree with four. that, but I think McCollum has been very good, too. Yeah, I mean, McCollum has been incredible. Um, I guess you could make a case for Murray, but... I mean, McCollum and Murray are averaging the same amount of points per game in these four games right now. 26 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I think if McCollum was playing with Jokic, those numbers would even look a little bit better. Okay. I think, I think Murray gets a little bit of Jokic bum, not to take too much away from him. Those free throws, too, were just cold-blooded. We know that Jamal Murray's favorite free, favorite shot in all of basketball is the free throw. That was a pretty funny little detail he divulged after that, that Milwaukee game down the stretch this year where they came back by, what, like six with like 30 seconds to go or something like that. Um, I mean, we, he's 88% for his career, and he hit six huge ones down the stretch to ice this game. And Charles Barkley said on the postgame broadcast, all of them were nothing but net. Mm-hmm. Like, none of those even grazed the rim. I mean, there was... There was no chance that Jamal Murray was not making any of those free throws. How many guys do you have more confidence in than Jamal Murray to, to knock down clutch free throws late in games? Yeah, he, he's up there for sure. I mean, there, there are a lot of really good free throw shooters out there. I think Bill Simmons calls that a cooler, a guy who you just have like 100% confidence it's going to go to the line and knock him down. Yeah, you have a lot of confidence with Jamal. He's definitely the guy you want out there at the line if you're a Nuggets fan and you're on this Denver team. He goes 11 of 11 from the line in this game. I hit those six down the stretch, and his record for consecutive free throws hit 270. He told me earlier this season he finishes every practice by shooting as many free throws as he can before missing. Every single practice, he once made 270. He told me, I believe, in high school before Kentucky, before he got drafted to Denver. He said after the game, yeah, everybody knows that's my shot. I thought that was pretty funny. Like the free throw is kind of one of his signature shots where you know, Curry might have like the 35 foot three. Uh, Harden has the step back. Jamal Murray's signature shot is the free throw maybe. Oh, hold on. I don't know if a free throw can be your signature shot. Like, that's there's got to be there's got to be a defender present for he you to said, have a signature everybody shot. Everybody knows that's my shot. <laughs> I mean, Steph Curry is, you know, like Jamal Murray, an incredible free throw shooter. He's going to make nine out of ten every time, but no one thinks of that. I mean, I just don't think a free throw could be your signature shot, even though yeah. I respect Jamal Murray up there. Yeah. What else is his signature shot? Maybe just like ca- step kind back. of the, the pivot step back. Yeah. The, yeah. He's got a nice, nasty step back. I don't know. The step back and, and maybe just the mid-range floater. Mm-hmm. Those are my two candidates. Yeah. So Murray had a great night in this one. 34 points, that was a game high. 10 of 20 shooting, 3 of 7 from 3, 11 of 11 from the line. 5 rebounds, 4 assists, just 2 turnovers. It's funny looking at the starters' numbers, and we got a question about this on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline about the bench, which I want to get to a little bit later, but all the starters outside of Torrey Craig were at least in the double-digit positives in a 4-point win. And so that's how dominant Denver starters were in this game, and they've been really good all series long. So... We'll see what happens in game five, but Jamal Murray is in a really good place right now. The other story from this game was probably Will Barton's two late fourth quarter threes that really saved Denver because you alluded to this earlier. If Denver goes down 3-1, I think this series is over. And now that it's tied 2-2, 
I think it's over in the other direction. I think the Nuggets will win this series in seven. But those two threes by Will Barton were enormous. And he's obviously a guy who struggled mightily in these playoffs, has had some flashes at times. These last two games have been a step in the right direction. But even in game four, after he came off his best game of the playoffs in game three, led Denver in scoring over those four overtime periods with 12 points. I think he had 22 in game three. He wasn't that impressive through three quarters, I thought. It did not have the same rhythm as he did in game three through most of this game. But in the fourth quarter, he let it fly from three off two Jokic kickouts and made Portland pay and really helped lift Denver to victory. Yeah, I, I mean, Will Barton, I'm with you. He did not play great in this game until the very end. But I think what we saw in, in games three and games four, and this was apparent in postgame too, is Will Barton is regaining some of his confidence. He's smiling. He's, he's cracking jokes again. I mean, he's kind of got like that, that thousand watt smile or whatever that, that you haven't seen in a long time from him. He was joking around with Katie Wingy about his sailboat shirt, gorgeous shirt, by the way. But these two games, it was it was Will Barton getting his his groove back. I mean, his, that upbeat personality. I saw that again, and it had been weeks since I think you saw that. You've been around him this whole season and for the last couple of years. You were around him in Portland. He says that you know, there's really no extra motivation in this series, even though he played in Portland, even though he was teammates with McCollum and Lillard. And uh, a lot of those coaches, a lot of that front office was in Portland when he was there. He couldn't get off the bench those first couple years in Portland. And when the Trailblazers traded him to the Nuggets, he kind of got a new lease on his NBA life. It has obviously flourished from there, signed the contract extension last summer, so on and so forth. How much do you think this series means to him just from that angle? He, he says it really isn't a factor. He's well past that. But... I don't know. I have a feeling that deep down, it's still driving him. Yeah, I think he's saying the politically correct thing here. I, I think, you know, if you got him off the record or something, he would probably say that, heck yeah, it means a little bit more to him. I mean, the Trailblazers didn't really give him a chance in the rotation. I mean, they kind of gave up on him. And you hear stories about Dame Lillard being frustrated because they're they're really good friends. And, you know, there were flashes even in Portland. You hear that, that Will Barton showed what, what he's shown in, in Denver. But yeah, I, I think in, in in an honest moment that Will Barton w- would say, hell yeah, it means a little bit more to me, even if he's not saying that publicly. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think he's would love nothing more to, as I put it in my story from game four, he would love nothing more than to shut the same fans up that cheered him for, for years in Portland. And he was a fan favorite there, even though he wasn't really able to get on the floor consistently. But I do think this series means a little bit more to him. Mason Plumlee also played in Portland, which we forget. But you just get the feeling that deep down, Barton would love to have a good series here. He'd love to be on the floor late in games like he was in game four and just really have a solid showing. So it was cool to see him hit those two threes. I agree with you. I think he's getting his confidence back both – on and off the court. And I think it would potentially be a significant addition for Denver, if you will, because he wasn't a big factor in that first round and early on in this series. If they can get him playing in a groove off the bench, I, again, we'll touch on this in a few minutes, but the Nuggets bench has not been impressive. That's a little 
ace in Michael Malone's back pocket that he can play with Will Barton as a super sub off the Nuggets bench because that second unit could really use a boost. And so if he's a factor off the bench, if he's given the Nuggets minutes like he has in these last two games with that second unit and maybe late in fourth quarters, I think it's going to be a big addition. Oh, no question. I mean, the bench minutes have been semi-disastrous in this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy Glockner tweeted out that like the non-Jokic splits in this series, and they're pretty crazy. Um, in game one, Denver was a minus eight and seven minutes without Jokic. Two, minus nine and nine minutes. Game three, minus eight and three minutes. Game four, minus 13 and nine minutes. I mean, that's a grand total of minus 38 in 28 minutes without Jokic. They've, they've just got to do a, a little bit better job of, of just holding serve. So, yeah, I think that is a significant development. Yeah, so Barton closed this game for most of the final possessions down the stretch. We'll see how it looks going forward. But his two fourth-quarter threes were enormous. Both of them came off of Jokic kickouts. And you know, he said after the game that whenever Jokic has the ball as a shooter, you just got to stay ready. And that's definitely a mindset you've got to have when you're anybody but Jokic on the Nuggets roster. Let's hit a break real quick. A lot more I want to get to on this game. Talk about Nicole Jokic's night, his series as a whole. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Monday edition of the show going over game four. Nuggets win 116-112. They're back in Denver for Game 5 on Tuesday. Also give some overall thoughts on this series. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic's night. 21 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. His fourth triple-double of the playoffs. 39 minutes for him. Did it on only 15 shots. What do you think of his night? I mean, he was spectacular. I'm, I'm running out of good things to say about Nikola Jokic. I thought the play of the game was with about a minute left in the fourth quarter. Denver had the ball up three, and the shot clock was winding down. Jokic mm -hmm. gets it on the left side, and he's just going at that, that snail's pace. You know, the, the two-and-a-half-mile-hour pace that Jokic seems to operate on all the time. And, you know, I was sitting at home, and I was like, what, like, what is he doing? Is, is he not even going to get a shot attempt up? And he, he kind of dribbles towards Gary Harris. Gary, Gary runs this curl around him, and Jokic drives to the basket and, and finds him 
with just this perfectly placed little little touch pass, and Gary gets an and one with .1 seconds left on the shot clock. Right. And from there, Denver just had to hit free throws to win this thing. Tell me if this is a crazy take, but I feel like Nikola Jokic has upped his passing in the playoffs. He's passing the ball with more flair, more gusto, just more confidence, and just at a higher level than he did in the regular season. It almost seems like every one of his assists nowadays have some no-look or off-balance component to them. He's no-looking guys on just normal dump-off passes to the post or just normal swings around the arc. I think he's passing at a higher level than he did in the regular season. I think he's doing everything at a, at a higher level than he did in the regular season. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what there is to say. I mean, I already thought he was the best passer in the league coming into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's definitely the best passing big man. He's arguably the best passer in the league. He's in the conversation with LeBron, Harden. I mean, he's right there. I wouldn't be mad at you if you said he was the best passer in the league. I probably think he is as well. Uh, the, just, you know, this idea that Jokic can dominate a game while, while moving at three miles an hour all the time and never breaking into a sprint. I just, I just can't get over it, and maybe mm-hmm. I never will. I, I think about that Seth Rosenthal tweet where Jokic basically looks like he's just playing in flip-flops. Like that's what it looks like out there. He's just playing in flip flops in his driveway and dominating the best players in the world. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. We've seen it this entire season, but I just feel like he's playing with a different swagger and maybe different isn't the right word because it's the same swagger, but it's just elevated to another level. His comfort on the court just has increased and increased as each of these two series have evolved and I don't know if it's just he's very confident in the game plan and the scheme and he knows the personnel that's what it seemed like towards the end of that series against San Antonio and that's what it has really started to seem like over these last two games against Portland he just knows what the defense is going to do he knows what he wants to do on offense and he's just going out there and executing exactly how he wants to execute so let me ask you this how many players have definitively been better in the playoffs than Nikola Jokic Zero. Uh, Kevin wow. Durant. I would say I would say Durant and Kawhi. I don't think you can say Kawhi's been definitively better. He's been very good. He's been amazing. But I think there's an argument to be made. I think at the bare minimum, we're looking at a top three performer in this postseason. At that, and that's at the bare minimum. I mean, if you go off like I saw that that uh, graphic from NBA Math today, the total points added. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's clearly been the best player if you're going off that, but he has just been absolutely ridiculous. And I think, you know, the Denver media knew they, they had a pretty good idea. This was going to be Nikola Jokic even, even come postseason time. But, man, he's he's converting people in the national media. I say I saw Stephen A. Smith go on a rant today. I mean, I saw Bill Simmons give him some love on the pod. I think people are, are really coming de- around to this idea that Nikola Jokic is – Clearly one of the best top 10 players in the league. And hell, this guy might even be top five. Right. We might wake up on opening night next season with Nicole Jokic heading into next year as a top five player in the league. That doesn't seem like it's a farce. That doesn't seem like it's unimaginable. If Denver wins this series, you could very easily see that happening. Yeah. I mean, Nick Wright. Oh, my God. Ah, talk about taking L's. 
<laughs> I don't even. What is he even saying? I, I'm not even paying attention. He's he's not even really saying anything now. But I mean, there's nothing you can say. Yeah, you call him a pretend superstar. Right. I mean, just every stereotype, every knock he had against him coming into the playoffs, he's really gone a long ways to eliminating all those. His defense in the first round was great. His defense has obviously dropped off a little bit, I feel like, in the second round, mainly because Portland just is a a much better offense than San Antonio. They actually play a modern-day playoff 2019 offense, whereas San Antonio, I'm still not sure what they were running that entire series. And it's tougher for bigs to defend in space when you're going against one pick and roll after another, as opposed to one LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan post up after another. But I still feel like his defense has been fine. His defense at on Cantor was pretty good last night, I thought. And offensively, you know, he just does what he wants. So I wrote about this subject for, for Sunday morning, uh, went out right before the game. But, you know, the takes about the Nuggets have just been all over the place this season. Uh, you know, first, the Nuggets were an easy target. You know, they were going to be a, an easy playoff out. And then the narrative kind of, at least from a Portland perspective, has been that, oh, the Nuggets are a little bit dirty just because Nicole Jokic decided to, to block out Ennis Cantor with a little bit of force. I think that the biggest reason why people, you know, outside of Denver have not been able to, to accurately evaluate the Denver Nuggets is that they have such a hard time evaluating Nicole Jokic's game. In their brains, it just does not compute that this doughy, pass-first European guy could, could possibly be one of the top five players in the NBA. They, they just can't help but evaluate this guy based on the way he looks instead of how he plays. And now there, there's just so much evidence that it's just too hard to ignore, and people are finally starting to get it. Now he's the villain in this series. <laughs> now he's the dirty player yeah, how that, get Portland, that Portland fans are just convinced is trying to you know, take out their beloved son, Enos Cantor. Jokic becoming the villain in this series, if you would have asked me for what percentage chance I would say that would happen ahead of this first round series, I would have said like 0.5%. Him becoming the villain has been a twist in uh, the storylines of this series that I just did not see coming. Quite frankly, it's pretty hilarious coming from somebody who's watched him for the last four seasons up close and every day. (laughs) This guy doesn't have a bad bone in his body. Yeah, he's a fierce competitor out there on the floor. And sometimes the guy you see post-game, how how funny he is, how much he likes to joke with the media and joke with his teammates just on the day-to-day. Yeah, he doesn't seem like that guy on the court, but dirty, a villain... I think it's been pretty funny to watch. I've been kind of just chuckling along to myself as this kind of narrative tr- has been attempted by Portland. And let's be real. Portland fans are soft. They are soft. That's that's one of the things that I've learned in this series. Like any any call that happened in game four, like they were acting like it was the worst call in the world. Like they were, they were doing like the Draymond Green thing where – like a clear cut call, they're they're like screaming bloody murder. Yeah. Like you know what, yell if if it's even somewhat questionable. But it was every single call they were they were doing the leading the ski cap at Trump's inauguration. No, it's like come on. Portland fans should just take the temperature of Denver fans when it comes to how their team is officiated. Because if Portland had been officiated like Denver had been throughout the regular season. I'm not sure that fan base would have survived. 
they got to toughen up a little bit. But Jokic has been incredible, and he's been, I think, what we thought he was going to be in the playoffs. He might be even exceeding my expectations a little bit, but doesn't seem like he's slowing down at all. He got hurt at the end of this game, and even looking at the replays on this play, I don't know if you could tell. I could not really tell what happened. Uh, it just seemed like a kind of fluky play. There seemed to maybe be some contact, maybe some light knee-to-knee -knee contact. I'm, I'm not really sure, but he limped off. He said after the game he was okay. He felt some numbness for a little, but does not seem to be a big issue going forward. And sure enough, he finished out the game. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure. They didn't say specifically on the the post game broadcast or anything either. Maybe maybe just a little bit of dead leg. <laughs> yeah, but he looked fine after this one. Some overall impressions from this game. I feel like Paul Millsap has had a pretty under-the-radar series. He was spectacular in this game as well. 21 points, 10 rebounds in 41 minutes, 6 of 10 from the field. Portland really can't guard him on the interior with either Aminu or Mo Harkless. Those guys don't really stand a chance against him. Gary Harris, I thought, was solid. I thought Gary Harris played fabulous defense on C.J. McCollum at points in this game. There were a couple possessions throughout where he was incredible on the defensive end. McCollum still got 29, but Harris did a really solid job defensively, I thought. And we spent the first segment of the show talking about Jamal Murray playing consistent basketball and, and stringing together the, these really impressive games. I don't think you can talk about that w without talking about Gary Harris because it, it's such an interconnected issue. Where Jamal started really perking up in this series was when Gary switched on to Derek White. And, you know, to start the Portland series, Denver didn't even really mess around with, with asking Jamal to guard McCollum or Damian Lillard. I mean, Gary Harris ha has done human's work guarding McCollum and then switching on to Lillard when Torrey Craig goes out of the game. You know, Murray gets to, to kind of chill on, on Mo Harkless. And, you know, there are times when they try to go to Mark Harkless in the post, but it's a much easier assignment for Murray overall than, than chasing one of those guards around her are, are so good off the dribble. So I don't think you can talk about Murray being a stud without talking about Harris picking up some of the slack for him and, and kind of doing some of the dirty work on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. For sure. And just an overall takeaway from the playoffs, the first round series against the Spurs, this series so far against Portland, Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic really emerging here as a big two for Denver. And, I think it's been pretty apparent to us, and we've talked about this all season, but you know that those two, that's how you kind of envision Denver's top two players looking for years and years. And you know, like I've said on countless occasions, I think Jamal Murray has a ceiling that's between a Damian Lillard and a Steph Curry. I think he's probably going to be a multiple-time All-Star. And him as the second-best player in Denver – I think going forward, you know, that sets you up as a contender for, you know, the next five, six years. And I think this playoffs has been pretty apparent that those two will probably you know, carry the torch for the Nuggets going forward. Yeah. And, you know, my, my biggest question, I guess, this summer and going forward, too, is who can you get on the wing um, just to, you know, be versatile def defensively and maybe a guy that can knock down some outside shots because, you know, I think if those are your best two players, that's freaking awesome. But I think to win a title, you're going to need a dynamic wing. But Yeah, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then it's settled. Great. Yeah. 
So yeah, a great win by Denver in this one. 116-112. They come back home. They've got game five on Tuesday against Portland here at Pepsi Center. The confidence that this team has right now. You ask a couple guys in this locker room, they think they're closing Portland out in six. Now, I think it's going to get the seven, but the confidence in this locker room right now, you know, just pulling guys after the game, it's up there. I think they're very confident that Portland, I think, has thrown their best at Denver. And I know Lillard hasn't had one of those first round Damian Lillard games, I feel like, even though he had 39 in game one, had 28 in game four. But I get the sense the Nuggets know what Portland can throw at them. They know their counters. They obviously know what Portland's going to do on the defensive end. And scoring against the Blazers this series has not been an issue at all. It's really only been when Denver has just shot like 20% from three that they haven't been able to score. So I'll tell you this. A couple guys in that locker room think this series is done in six. And a couple guys also think they're blowing Portland out here in game five. Ooh. I mean, I did not think Denver was going to win this game at halftime. I got to be honest with you, which... You know, that's, that's probably stupid of me to, to write off Denver, but I just thought the way, you know, Seth Curry went off right before halftime, I just thought that was that was a thing that could swing the game in Portland's favor and probably mm-hmm. would. I tweeted this out at halftime, but the Trailblazers went 23-1 and during the regular season when, when Seth Curry scored in double digits. Right. Well, he had 16 in the first half. Like, right. usually, you know, when, when Curry has one of those, those flurries or whatever, then it's just over for the other team. Denver survived that. I mean, that's so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Curry was great in this one for sure. 6-9 from the field, 4-6 from three. He slowed down, though, well, luckily for Denver's sake in that second half. Before we move on, a quick word from StravaCraft Coffee. StravaCraft Coffee, as you guys know, it's a game-changing coffee. It's the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. These guys' reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, Also, it's helped to decrease anxiety. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. And honestly, we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. You can receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. Let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We got a couple questions we want to get to off of this game for win. Talking about the bench, talking about some other storylines about this team right now. Let's go there. Hey guys, David from DC here. How fun is it being seeing the Nuggets in the playoffs? Can you believe it's been six years? Feels like 20. As a quick aside, I just want to say there were so many Nuggets fans donning Jokic and Murray jerseys at the Wizards game. Really fun to see your profile expanding. Touching on the series against the Blazers, I'm a little surprised by how tough it's been. I honestly thought that we're the much better team, especially with Nurkic out. A few adjustments I'd like to see will be Gary and Lillard and Craig and McCollum. I just think Lillard has more blow-by ability, as we saw late in Game 3. Gary's quickness counters that better, and Torrey's length and CJ's contested pull-up jump shots is a better look. It would also be nice to see Millsap post up more and not bite on Amino's pump fake. He's not a very good shooter. One big-picture item that also came up in these playoffs is Jamal Murray. He's been very impressive and a legit franchise cornerstone. He's definitely going to feel he's worth more than the 4 for $90 million offer I suggested. He has to improve defensively, and his pride will enable him to give better effort to become an average defender. My one request to Denver fans is to come out and rival the atmosphere in Portland. You guys, I'm sure, can tell the difference in fan support after being at Motor Center. Be as loud, passionate, and respectful as you can. Love the show and go Nuggets. 
Thanks for the call, David. Cool that you you were able to see the Nuggets in D.C. I agree. This team's rep around the league is certainly expanding, and you know why not? This is a freaking fun team to watch. A lot of young guys that are, are going to be around are going to be you know, top players on this team for a long time to come. The defense on Lillard and McCollum last night I thought was interesting. Obviously, Harris and Torrey Craig spending most of the time on those two guys. Michael Malone removed Torrey Craig from this game for most of that fourth quarter, really in winning time for Will Barton, because he said after the game, Torrey Craig just wasn't effective guarding Lillard and McCollum after this game. And so he was thinking, yeah, I might as well go offense and go Barton if we're not going to be able to stop these guys anytime, which I thought was interesting. Torrey only 17 minutes in this game, one of four from the field. He was a plus three, though. Still hit a three from the corner, and he wasn't wearing a mask in this game, which I thought was interesting. Talking to him after the game, he said that they tried to get him to wear the mask, but he just can't really see out of that thing. It's tough to breathe in there, and so he uh, just kind of ditched it. But, yeah, they went with Bart down the stretch, really, because Torrey Craig wasn't able to get defensive stops on Lillard and McCollum. And, I mean, Denver's game plan going forward just limit those two guys, and I don't think Portland's role players are going to be able to beat the Nuggets. What do you think about that? No, I don't, I don't think so. And I think if Denver just gets a tiny little bit more from their bench, then they're going to easily win this series. And frankly, I, I could see them winning in six games if the bench is just able to be a little bit better. Because just, th- just think about the level Jokic and Murray are playing at. I think this is clearly the best basketball of both their careers. I mean, if Monte Morris and Mason Plumlee even look remotely like themselves from the regular season, then I think this thing is done in six. Well, let's talk about the bench because our guy Chris also called in with a question about the bench. So let's hear what he had to say and then discuss why we don't think maybe this bench has had the same impact over the course of these playoffs that they did in the regular season. Hey, hey, it's Chris in Denver. Uh, Pretty interesting weekend of basketball. Nuggets walk away with a plus-one point differential, and they uh, tie it up coming back to Denver. Um, I, I guess, like, you know, I'm sure you guys are going to talk about your overall thoughts on the series, and you're going to hit all the high points. Uh, that, that, that first shot that Murray hit was ridiculous. I, I just needed to mention that. My question is on the bench. Uh, throughout the year, the bench was a weapon, and they were, I mean, they were the best bench in the league up, up until the All-Star break. Um, when do you expect that to come back? When do you expect uh, Monte and Mace to start playing like good players again and stop being just, just complete black holes whenever they're on the court? Because whenever Jokic leaves, the team kind of struggles when Mace goes out there. He hasn't been playable. Monte hasn't been great this series. Do you think they'll turn it around? What do you think is causing their issues? Or is it just uh, small sample size, four-game stuff happens? Um, personally, I think the biggest change is when they went from Trey Lyles to Isaiah Thomas. As poor as Trey Lyles' numbers were, it seemed like he commanded uh, at least a lot of gravity off the bench for whatever reason. Um, yeah, curious your thoughts on that. I uh, hope you guys make it back to Denver safe. Uh, coverage you've provided, you've provided has been great. As always, keep up the good work. Love the show. 
and go Nuggets. Thanks for the question, Chris. I think I disagree a little there. I think the bench probably hasn't looked as good since they inserted Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if Trey Lyles has anything to do with it, but they just haven't really popped, I don't think, since the All-Star break like they did up until that point in the season. And yeah, obviously they haven't been good in the playoffs, and I'm not quite sure why, to be honest. It's been a bit confusing because this bench, I thought throughout the year, was one of the best benches in the league, one of the best second units in the league. Monte Morris had a great year. Malik Beasley had a great season as well. Torrey Craig gave them a lot of good minutes off the bench. Mason Plumley was one of the best backup centers in the league. Has not been that way throughout the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe the decrease in minutes hasn't allowed them to get in that same type of rhythm. I mean, you look at these benches that they've gone up against on paper and based on what they did this season, they should have been better than San Antonio's bench. I think they should be better than Portland's bench as well. But that hasn't really been the case in these games. So... I don't have a good answer on this one. I'm not quite sure it's been confusing. Yeah, I mean, two of the things I, I guess I can point to with Monte and Mason, you know, for Monte, obviously, it's it's the three-point shot. It, it's completely deserted him in, in the playoffs, and, you know, he, he's still got that mid-range game going a little bit, I guess, but he's a guy who I, I think just, just needs that three-ball to go down just, just to open some other things up when, when they're open like that. And then for Mason Plumley. You know, it's been a couple of things, but I think the biggest thing for him is the fouls. I mean, that was a little bit of an issue during the regular season, but committing 2.6 fouls in 15 minutes per game in the playoffs, I mean, you play him 30 minutes and he's basically fouling out. He's just got to do a little bit better of defending without fouling. I mean, we talked about his defense on LaMarcus Aldridge and kind of biting and, and trying to, to block that, that fadeaway shot, which is an unblockable shot. So I think those are kind of two areas where if, if they corrected himself, then the bench would, would look a lot better. Maybe we're just also seeing what those guys look like in a playoff environment in terms of teams having more time to scout, prepare for Monte Morris and Malik Beasley and two really young guys who haven't been in a playoff setting before, obviously. They might not have the same counters to their game that guys with a little bit more not playoff experience, but just game experience. And, you know, Harris and Murray and guys with playoff experience like Millsap have developed that as counters and whatnot when their go-to moves aren't quite working. And, and yeah, like you said, they just haven't shot the ball as well. Monte Morris hasn't hit a three in the playoffs. He was one of six in this game. So that's going to hurt as well. Thanks for the questions, guys. If you do have questions for the show going forward, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Game 5 is on tap for Tuesday. This is going to be a Nuggets win, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think they're going to win this one pretty easily, actually. Mm-hmm. They've shown that if they can hit shots, they're going to be in every game. As long as the Nuggets don't shoot 20% from three, this is going to be a close game. And the confidence that Denver has right now and what I felt last night, especially after the game, I think Denver's in a good place, and I expect them to win game five. I'm, I'm kind of preparing already for this thing to go the distance. I think it will, too. And I predicted seven, so I'm hoping that prediction comes true again. Denver winning two game sevens in their first two playoff series with, with this group. Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. All right. I think that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday. Talk to you then.
The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.